If you have a Bible, open to the book of Ephesians. If you don't have a copy of the scriptures with you, we're going to put the text up on the screen. We're winding down our study in the book of Ephesians. And if you have missed any of the messages and you'd like to kind of see where we've been during this series, you can always go to our website, which is redemptionaz.com. Choose the Gilbert Congregation. That's where you're at right now. Uh, and you can uh, look back on the sermons and kind of see where we've been through this series. So Ephesians chapter six, and we, we only have one more message left uh, to go in our, in our series. And as Paul is kind of ending his letter, he's giving a send-off to, uh, to this church at Ephesus. And the send-off is not, hey, have a great summer. We'll see you next year. He is saying, um, we are in a battle. So be prepared to do battle. Be prepared for, for war. He reminds us, look, there's an adversary that's planning for your demise and for your defeat. But there is no condemnation in Christ, so rise up in hope because there, this is a fight that you can win by the strength that God provides for his glory. And he's given us armor already. We've seen that in verses 10 through 17. And now he kind of continues that thought and continues that idea in verse 18. So if, you, if you're there, uh, let's read this together. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18 And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. So let's pray and ask God to help us this morning. Father, uh, we love you. And God, we just thank you for how good you are to us. God, your mercy this morning, the forgiveness that we have through your son Jesus that we sang about. God, this time that you give us to come together to sing and proclaim, and God, to praise you and to honor you and to thank you. Um, God, I just thank you for your provision this morning. I thank you for your word. I thank you for how um, powerful it is. I thank you for how relevant it is. Um, I thank you that we find life in it. Um, so God, I just ask that we'd be able to hear from you in these next few moments, and God, that you might speak uh, to us. I want to ask you, if you would, just, just go ahead and pray that for yourself. Pray that you would have um, ears to hear from God this morning. I want to ask that you um, next would, would just would pray for me, um, that God might speak to me and through me and that God just might use me this morning. God, that's just what I pray. I pray for a covering and a filling of your spirit. Um, God, I pray that I'd be hidden um, in you, Christ Jesus, God, I don't, I don't want to lean on my own power, strength, or ability, um, but I really want to rest in you, Spirit, and just lean into uh, your word this morning. So God, would you speak to me and speak through me, um, always and only for you, Jesus. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So Paul 
continuing this thought of us being in this battle, in this, in this war, in verse 18, he says, be praying always about everything, but be praying in the spirit. Now, prayer is not something that we do only in preparation for ministry. Prayer is ministry. Paul Miller is an author of an incredible book called A Praying Life, says this, prayer is not a ministry of the church. It is the heart of ministry through which the real functional leadership and union of the Spirit and Jesus formed at the resurrection operates. He's like, you want to see the functional leadership and work of the Spirit and Jesus? It happens in and through prayer. This moment of prayer where where God gets his voice to us and where we send our voice to him. Paul's saying, look, this is the primary way that we battle. In the allegory story, The Pilgrim's Progress, God gives to Christian this weapon um, called all prayer. And the instruction is, when everything else fails, use this weapon, all prayer, and you'll be able to defeat the enemies that come in through the valley of shadow. But prayer is really more than how Bunyan describes it there. It's more than just an additional weapon. It's the atmosphere in which all of our living occurs, all of our fighting, all of our arming ourselves. It's that pervasive. One commentary says, when talking about um, praying in the Spirit, let the Spirit be the atmosphere in which you pray. So if you think of a, a fish that's in a bowl of water, that fish best functions in the atmosphere or in the sphere of water. And so a, a Christian, the way that they function best is in the sphere or in the atmosphere of the, the Spirit. It's also an instrumental means, this praying in the Spirit, meaning by, by means of the Holy Spirit, in dependence on the Holy Spirit, we, we pray because that energizes our spiritual supernatural life and our prayer life. Paul's talking about when you pray, pray in, in concert with the Holy Spirit. One commentator said it's, it's like praying a duet with the, with the Holy Spirit, which is why Paul can write in Romans 8.26, he says, we know not what to pray for as we ought. We don't even know how to pray or what to pray sometimes, but the Spirit makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. And, and when you live in the Christian life, the Spirit of God within you prays on your behalf and he always prays the right thing. Which is why Paul can also write in Romans 8.28, all things work together for our greatest good, for the glory of God, because the Spirit is praying. The Spirit is interceding. And and praying in the Spirit is simply lining up your own prayer consistent with the mind and the will of the Spirit of God. It's like a type of God consciousness in your life. It means that your whole life rises before God in communion and in communication. All of your life, all of your thoughts, all of your deeds, all the circumstances, everything that you are kind of bumping into in your day, it's all this ascending prayer that's going up to God as you're going through life. It's what it means to have a conscious presence of God in your mind so that everything becomes a prayer. All your life all your thoughts, and as you acknowledge the Holy Spirit, as your life is filled with the Spirit, as you walk in the Spirit, in obedience to the Spirit of God, closely with God, you're constantly communing His presence. The Spirit of God governs your thoughts so that your prayers will be in harmony with the Spirit of God. That's praying in the Spirit. And Paul says, look, we're in this battle. The way to battle is by praying in the Spirit. And he says, in the way that you pray in the Spirit, you pray in the Spirit all occasions, all kinds of prayers, all kinds of requests. 
What Paul is saying is every opportunity that you have to pray, pray. Every chance you get to pray, pray. He just, he says, pray through the whole flow of life. In your life, start attaching prayer to every part of your life. Think about just the kind of the course of your day and what you're going through in a day, right? Lying in bed, alarm goes off, reach over, grab your phone. Rather than kind of like scrolling through, we all have like this little routine we go through with our phone. So rather than like doing that, right? We just turn off, turn off the alarm and pray, God, thank you for rest, Thank you for the rest. And thank you ultimately for the rest that I find in you, Jesus, right? The next place you go is a little awkward to pray, so think about the place after that, right? For me, I get and jump in the shower. And I don't know what it is about being in the shower, but it just feels like the same way the water's like rushing over me, it feels like all the things that I have to do in the day are rushing over me as well. And it's just like this downpour of like checklists and things and conversations I know I have to have, projects I have to get done, deadlines I have to meet, things I'm concerned about, things I'm worried about. And so I'll just start to pray those things as soon as they come in mind. God, I give you this. God, what do I do here? I need wisdom for this. I need help with this. I need direction in this. God, what do I do? And as those things are kind of flowing over me and washing over me, I'm just kind of washing prayer over the top of them. I walk downstairs, go to the kitchen. God, thank you for the way that you sustain my family. Thank you for the way that you feed us. Thank you for the way that you provide. Thank you that you invite us to come and taste and see how good you are. Thank you for the way that you fill us with good things. Get in my truck, drive to work. God, thank you for how you move through the city. God, thank you for how you've made me mobile in the city to go around and go different places. God, order my way. Give me direction. Where, where, do you want, where do you want me to go? What do you want me to do today? Where, where do you, who do you want me to talk to? What do you say? Thank you for the, the movement of the gospel in this city. I, I was recently invited um, to go to Japan. Uh, there's a guy named John Ori. Uh, he's with this organization called See Jesus. And Redemption Church supports John as a missionary with See Jesus. And John has done a lot of work uh, with a lot of pastors throughout Redemption. Is currently doing work on just kind of teaching us to pray. We've been going in through prayer cohorts. He's been doing other kind of discipleship training and stuff with us. And, and John does some work in Southeast Asia and is starting to do some work in Japan. So he invited me and uh, one of our residents, a guy named Corey, to go. And so we went and uh, we met up with him at LAX. And before we get on the plane, get ready to board, John says, hey, let's, uh, let's pray. Okay, you know, plane's boarding, but whatever, let's pray. So, um, you know, and it's LAX, so fortunately three guys just standing around talking to themselves is not weird. And so we're, we pray, and then we get to Tokyo, get to our hotel, long flight, you know, get in. And before we set our bags down, John says, hey, let's, uh, let's just let's pray over this hotel room. Let, let's pray for rest. Let's pray for just uh, the night we're going to have. Let's pray for sleep. Let's pray for kind of this trip, and let's just let's pray. Okay, wake up the next morning. Hey guys, before we go downstairs, grab coffee, breakfast, before we get our day, let's let's pray. Let's let's pray for the place we're going to go to coffee. Let's pray for the walk on the way to coffee. Let's pray for the things we're going to see. Let's pray for the people we're going to see. Let's pray for the city. Let's pray for uh, this appointment that we have. Let's pray for this place we're going to go. These people we're going to meet. This that that thing. And and we did that every morning. Every, we prayed literally through the whole day. We prayed for people back home. We prayed for people we're going to meet. We prayed for people that we were going to get interrupted by, things we were going to see, things we didn't intend to see that were going to come our way. I mean, we just prayed literally for every single thing. And it completely reoriented the way that we approached our day. It reminds me of the, the prayer of St. Patrick, who is not the patron saint of beer. He, he wrote this, I arise today through God's strength to pilot me. 
God's might to uphold me, God's wisdom to guide me, God's eye to look before me, God's ear to hear me, God's word to speak for me, God's hand to guard me, God's way to lie before me, God's shield to protect me, Christ with me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ in me, Christ beneath me, Christ above me, Christ on my right and Christ on my left. Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ in the heart of everyone who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in the eye that sees me, Christ in the ear that hears me. I arise today through the mighty strength of the Lord of creation. What Paul is saying is pray always. Pray with an awareness of God, praying in the atmosphere of the Spirit, praying in the Spirit and along with the Spirit of God. Secondly, he says not just the frequency of prayer, but, but also the kind of the variety of prayer. Because he says, pray with all prayer and all supplication at all times. What Paul is simply saying is, look, all kinds of prayer. It's, it's this idea of prayer upon prayer. Well, all kinds of prayer. Every kind of prayer that you can think of. It's group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, neo prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. Paul's just saying pray and pray always about everything all the time. And he's saying as you are, be alert. Be alert and always keep on praying for the Lord's people. Be, be alert is this idea of like chase away the things that put you to sleep. Like there are things in life Things, either cultural things or maybe just, just even human things that kind of lull us into sleep. We have this kind of automatic way of being. We have these kind of schedules. We have these routines. We have these things. We have these kind of outward influences that in many ways just kind of numb us and just kind of lull us to sleep. And Paul's saying, wake up, be alert. Be alert so that you can pray. And, and be alert and persevere. Be persistent in your prayer. It's the, the, the Greek picture there is, is one's devotion to a task. You keep, you're earnest in it. You're persistent in it. He says, pray at all times with all prayers, with all perseverance for the saints. As soon as something comes up, don't wait. Pray for it. Pray for it. Right, right now, I was in the commons earlier and someone's like, it's kind of like, you know, when you're standing there with someone and they share something and you're like, eh, I'll pray for you. And then you're just like, eh, no, and you never pray for him. He's like, you should pray for him right there. I was like, yes, I know. I, actually, I meant to say that all morning, but I haven't. But you're right. As soon as somebody says, hey, hey you know, I, this is what's going on. You say, I'll pray for you. Pray for him right there. And Paul says, Paul says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador and change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Paul says, hey, pray for me that I'll be bold because Paul wants the voice of God close to him and he wants his voice to go to God. Now, I think it's so interesting how Paul's ending his letter here. Because he could have said at the, end, at, the, at the ending here, now remember, make sure you keep your church attendance up. Remember, make sure that you keep giving money. Remember, you know, that you keep doing good things in the city. Remember, just be nice to each other out there. Like, he could have said anything, but he's saying, no, pray. The, the, the last taste in the mouth of this church from this letter, he says, I, I want it to be prayer. Paul, if you, if you remember, he's writing this letter from, from prison, and nowhere in Ephesians have we seen him complain about being in chains. In fact, here he's like, I want boldness and I want the right words. 
Because Paul was alert and he could see where God had put him. Some of us are so spiritually asleep, we don't even think about the place that God has intentionally put us in life. All we can think about is like, oh, my week is just full of discomfort. If I can just get through the discomfort to the weekend, that's all I want. And Paul's saying, no, I know that God has put me in a place of discomfort for the sake of the gospel. And I want to be awake to that. And, and I want to be bold in that. I want to be fearless in that. And I want the right thing to say. Does it ever cross your mind that God in his divine plan and purposes has put you in the place where you work, has put you in the school that you go to, has put you in the neighborhood that you go to, has makes you go to the gym that you go to for his sake, for, 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 the, for the good of those around you, for the sake of the gospel, And Paul's in prison and he says, God put me here for the gospel, so pray for me that I have the right words and the boldness because I'm going for it. Even though I'm in prison, I know where God has me, so pray for me. Now, I want to make a a little turn, a little shift here, because every time someone preaches a message on prayer, we all feel bad. Like, I just, I feel bad about my prayer life, right? It's like when you go to the dentist and he's got his hands in your mouth, you're like, hey, have you been flossing? And you're like, uh, sort of. You're like, dude, you know, you can tell. You're in there. You can see. Don't ask. Don't make me go through this, right? You know what the situation is, right? Don't make me say it out loud. And I feel like messages on prayer can make us feel like that. We're like, uh, sort of. I mean, I kind of, right? Right? You can tell. Um, Martin Lowe joins, I came across this quote. He, he says, our ultimate position as Christians is tested by the character of our prayer life. That doesn't make me feel very good. And I think a lot of times we just struggle out just, just starting in prayer. Like just even getting going in prayer is a struggle for us. My, my middle daughter, Vera, she loves to go on bike rides. So we'll go we'll t- take the barks, bikes out of the garage, and uh, she gets on her little bike and uh, tries to pedal, tries to, like, turn the pedal. And she'll stand up on the pedals and try to push down with the bike. It just won't go. And so she'll get super frustrated and cry, and she'll just get off the bike and start to, like, walk it. I'm like, no, we are not doing this. I'm not riding my bike while you walk your bike around the neighborhood, right? Like... So when she's doing that and she can't turn over, what, what, what do I say as her father? What, what do I say? You suck at riding a bike. You're never going to get it. Just put it away. <laughs> no, of course not, right? I was like, all right, come on, baby. You can do it, all right? Come on, you just need a little, just keep pushing. Once you, once you turn over, once you can get it to turn over, it's just, it's going to go and you're going to have so much fun and it's going to be great. But you just, you just got to keep persisting. There's no condemnation. Just keep persisting. Now, if I'm describing you, oh, I feel horrible about the way that I pray, I don't pray enough, or, or I just, I can't get it to turn over, you're in a good spot. Here's why. Our helplessness is the key to good prayer. Praying from a place of helplessness lives out the gospel. Prayer mirrors the gospel in a unique way in our lives because the more you express your lack of power, your lack of ability, Through and in prayer, the more you experience the ability and the power of the gospel. So in the next few moments that we have left here, 
I want to briefly encourage you in living a life of prayer. And I want to give you some ways this week that you can actually try prayer on. You can, you can try it on. You can just, just try to do some of these things. Because learning to have a life of prayer has a great impact on who you are becoming as a child of God. And a prayer life is the most essential piece that we have in connecting with God and living out our life with him. And, and, and I don't want us to have prayer lives that are driven by guilt or compulsion because if you approach God with guilt and shame or fear and compulsion, it simply means that you have not encountered the God that is brought to us in Jesus Christ and represented fully by Jesus. Because I think fundamentally we have a broken view of God, which is why we don't even want to get started with prayer in the first place. Because we feel like, ah, oh, I, I, I have all this guilt, I have all this shame, and God is like, like Zeus with a lightning bolt. And I, I, I don't want to approach that God. Well, I wouldn't either. But, but if you want to know what God looks like coming towards you, look at the person of Jesus and you see him moving forward in compassion and love and forgiveness. The gospel of grace, the good news of Jesus is that a way has been made for us to have full access with God. And, and, and God is always moving towards you in compassion and grace and love and mercy. And if you can believe that and step into that, it makes you pray differently. It makes you want to pray. The more secure that my kids feel with me, the more that my kids feel like, Dad's for me, the more they want to open up, the more they want to talk to me about all kinds of things. But when they don't feel like that, they don't. And I, 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 I believe that this is a significant barrier to pray. Um, but, but if we can believe and understand and once again be reminded of that, look, the wrath of God towards sin was poured out on the person of Jesus, his only son, so that we can have complete access to him, that breaks down a barrier of prayer for us. Now, one of the issues that we have with prayer, even if we can get past like the guilt and shame and not praying enough, is that we don't really know how to pray. We don't really know, well, what do we do? How do we get started? Maybe we feel a little bit like, you know, my, my daughter on a bike, we're like, I don't even know like how to get the crank to turn over. Well, the, the Bible has dozens of ways for us to try on praying. And so really fast, I want to give you three different models of prayer that we see in the scripture and three different ways that we see prayer work. And the encouragement, again, this week, just try these on. Just be aware of the presence of God, okay? Okay, no one's going to do it. But I'm going to keep preaching like you are, right? So the first, the first way for you to try on prayer this week would be through silence and meditation. Silence and meditation, meaning we focus on God, and we empty everything else out through silence and meditation. Psalm 46.10 says, Be still and know that I am God. All right, that was like eight seconds of silence. That was, how painful was that? That was excruciating for some of you, right? Because we live in a world that's just full of noise. There's noise on the outside, noise on the inside. Some of you, even you're in the room, right? But you're not really in the room. Like you're physically present, but you're not emotionally, mentally present. Because there's just so much going on. You might, maybe you got in a fight with your spouse on the way here. Maybe you're thinking about a project or a deadline. Maybe you're worried about how your fantasy football team is doing. The Cardinals are probably losing. I mean, there's like a million things, right? You're, you're like, you made an effort to be here, but you're, you can't really be present in the room. You can't really be here. Well, here's why that's a problem. 
in, in our life, we live in the past or in the future, but there's a deep theological reality that God speaks in the present. And, and he's always speaking, he's always moving, and the hindrance to why we don't hear him is because of our own minds. There's, there's a power in being quiet for a moment, and when you are, you notice the activity in your mind. So meditation, by the way, is not something I pulled out of another religion. It's all over the Bible. Joshua 1.8, keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Psalm 77.12, I will consider all your works and meditate on all your mighty deeds. Psalm 119.97, oh, how I love your law. I meditate on it all day long. Meditating is focusing on the scripture and on God himself, on the character of God. Now, how many of you in here, you know how to worry? Like, you know how to do that. No, no training necessary. You just worry, you know how to worry, right? When you worry, you, you take a concept or an idea, real or imagined, and you just mull it over and over and over and over again. And a lot of times you attach your imagination to that concept or idea of, oh man, what could be, what could unravel, how, how wrong could this go? And you just, you, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. Meditating uses the same mental muscles, the same exercise as worrying. Except you take the positive traits, truths, realities about who God is, your experiences with him, his character, and you take that and you just mold that over and over and over and over again. You attach your imagination to that as well. Like how good is God as a shepherd, as a father? And you use your imagination in all the ways, in all the ways that that is good for you and that he is, is good. It's trying to get singularly focused so you can crowd out all the noise so that you might just be present enough to hear the voice of God. This right here is extremely difficult for me. Uh, extremely. I, I, there are people in my life that I've asked to kind of keep me accountable because I have a very difficult time being present. This is, you can ask my wife, this has been like a two-year prayer request of mine that I would just kind of be present, that I could be quiet, that I could slow down, and that I'd actually hear from God. So I didn't tell the story in any of the hour, other hours, but it's 11, so you guys get bonus stories. But when I was in Japan, I had this prayer. Like, God, there's a million things going on. When I travel a lot of times, I feel like my relationship with you gets a little slack because I'm just distracted. So I really, really want to be present, and I really want to hear from you. And uh, my... my buddy John, the guy that I went with, he um, kept trying to find different opportunities for me to preach in different churches they were going to. And I was like, man, I really don't have a burn to preach in a church where I don't know the language. And it's just the whole thing's kind of awkward. So please do not like stop pushing it. Okay. You know, it's okay. I don't have to do it. I don't need to do it. So he just kept pushing it and pushing. And finally, there was this little church that he found in a city called Nagoya. And, uh, and, and so I said, okay, fine, you know, I don't really want to do this, but God, I've been praying that I would hear from you, and I want to be present to your voice, so God, if you want me to do this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. And I had two messages that I had kind of taken that I could, I could preach. One was in Acts that I was like really pretty amped on. I was like, I like this message. I want to preach this. And another one was a message on uh, Lazarus and John 11, and I didn't even, I brought the wrong notes. I wasn't ready for that one at all. And so I told the pastor of the church, I said, I have these two messages. 
because I got this Acts one, which I, I think would be great, or I got this John 11 one. He's like, oh, John 11 one sounds great. I was like, of course it does. So I said, well, okay, I need, a, can you print off my notes for me? You know, and I, I manuscript my, my stuff. So I, I print it off and he gives it to his wife who's going to translate for me. Uh, and so he's, you know, he's got a copy of my notes and I got a copy of my notes and his wife has them. And so I show up the next morning and uh, their church, uh, all churches in Japan are, are relatively small. This one's pretty small. There's like maybe 50 people in it. And they, and they meet in this dance studio uh, that they convert to church. And it, the studio is located directly underneath a train. And so every 20 minutes in this little dance studio, the size of the stage, literally, you hear, boop, 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 boop. And so there's just a lot going on. I'm like in my own head, again, can't be quiet or present. So I show up to this thing, dance studio, weird me out, train, uh, distracting, kids everywhere, Japanese people everywhere. I don't speak Japanese. I got to preach through a translator, which is always just kind of awkward. And so I'm like, okay, God, I mean, I know I said I would just do whatever you told me to do, and lean, but I just do not want to do this. Right before I get up to preach, the, the pastor comes to me. He said, hey, um, I hope this is okay, but I read through your message. I read through your manuscript last night. And I was like, well, yeah, I mean, whatever, no punchline, but that's cool. And I said, uh, and he said, I want you to know something. Um, there's a line in your message that you wrote down. Two weeks ago, I wrote that exact line in my prayer journal. And he said, uh, I'd never got to preach it to the church because there was a typhoon and uh, so our services got canceled and I never got to preach it. So I'm really excited that today you get to preach that truth to our church. So I was like, okay, God, I get it. So, <laughs> so I preached this message, John 11, Jesus can heal. And even when he doesn't show up um, with healing, when he thinks he does, he's still good. At the close of the service, this couple comes up to me. And they said, we brought our mother to church with us today. She's 67, 68 years old. First time in her entire life she's ever been to church. And last week she was diagnosed with cancer. And you spoke about the goodness of God and his ability to heal. And he's like, that was such an answer to prayer because we've been trying to figure out how to breach the subject of Jesus in this season with her cancer. So... Um, I asked God to talk to me, and he did pretty loud. So I want to encourage you, moments of silence, moments of meditation, listening to God. Um, the next two, the next um, one after silence meditation would be model prayers. There are prayers in the Bible that you can just learn to pray. Like you can just kind of walk through them. And pray these prayers out of, out of the Bible. Now, as Protestants, sometimes this makes us a little nervous, like, the, oh, that's kind of legalistic or Catholic, which is unfortunate because Jesus gives us very helpful model prayers, right? So, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed or holy is your name. Now, just right there, what a powerful, powerful truth for us that God is our Father, like for some of us, if we just prayed through that, like, God, you're a perfect father. Everything about you, you're just a perfect heavenly father. That is, it could be a life-changing concept for us. Give us this day our daily bread. God, I recognize that I'm so fragile and I need to be sustained by you. If you don't provide for me, I don't have bread. 
May your kingdom come, your will be done. God, I want to do the kind of stuff that you're doing. I want your kingdom to grow. I don't, I don't want to put so much focus and energy on building my own kingdom, but I, I, want, to, I, want, to, I want your kingdom, your will to, to be done. And when you pray those things, it really does reorient your day. You see, prayer is, is not so much about having God change all the things around you. It's about God changing you in the midst of what's going on. It's about you becoming the kind of person that walks in intimacy with God. Psalm 23, Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Again, God, you lead me, you guide me, you sustain me. You prepare a table in the presence of my enemies. I don't always get out of the problem, but in the middle of the problem, in the middle of the issue, God, you give me joy. If you could pray, goodness and mercy are with me all the days of my life, how might that change your perspective on your day? A little less anxious, maybe? Acts chapter 4, Ephesians 1, Ephesians 3, all that we've been through. Pray the Psalms. There are real prayers in the Bible that connect you to the way that people have been effective in prayer for thousands of years. If you're stuck, if you feel like, I can't even get started in prayer, pray some of these model prayers. So we have, we, we, we have times of silence and meditation in our prayer. We have these model prayers right out of the scripture where we pray the very words of God back to God. And then lastly, um, and this is what Paul's asking for in our passage this morning, there's personal intercession. Personal intercession. Meaning pray for specific people or groups of people and watch how God changes your heart towards them. And, and if that, you're like, well, I don't even know like, who to pray for. How do I even start? Well, look at the people that, that God's given our church to pray for. So in the state of Arizona, uh, we're actively involved in the, in the orphan crisis in our state. Thousands and thousands of kids in the system. And so we're leaning into that. We're pressing into that. So pray for that. Pray for those kids. Pray for forever families for, 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 those, for those kids. Willis Junior High, right down the street. We, we did a collection for them a few weeks ago. We're trying to bless them. We're trying to engage with them. Pray, pray, pray for them. We, we, we have uh, teams that we send to, to Bush, Alaska every summer. Pray for the kids that come out of these villages in rural southwest Alaska. Pray for our partnerships in Ethiopia. Japan, I mentioned. Japan, by the way, 0.4% Christian. 0.4%. Pray for Japan. Pray for our church. Pray for this gathering. Pray, pray for the, the ministries. Pray for the things that happen on Sunday. I mean, I, I know for, for a lot of us, just getting here is just kind of an, an, a lot anyway. But do you ever just kind of pray? Like you're driving in, you're like, I mean, I pray for whoever's preaching today. I pray for whoever's leading us in worship today. I pray for whoever's setting us up in communion today. I pray for the people who are watching our kids. I pray for the people who are opening the door and shaking hands. I pray for the people who are cleaning the bathrooms in between services. I just pray for what's happening in our, in our gathering. If we aren't we praying and responding to the Holy Spirit on Sundays, I really don't know what we're doing here. I, I, I don't want to be a church. I don't want to lead at a church where God doesn't have to show up for us to have a great service. I, I, I don't want to be the kind of place where like, yeah, we got worship down, the music's good, the sound is good, the lights are good, the temperature's right, right? We got the preaching down, we'll end on time, hopefully, not today, sorry, right? And we can have all that stuff and we can say, you know what? It's weird. God didn't even show up. We still had a great Sunday. That's a major problem. Samuel Chadwick is a, is a, was a Methodist Pastor, he said that the one concern of the devil is to keep the saints from prayer. 
He fears nothing from prayerless studies, prayerless work, prayerless religion. He laughs at our toil, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. Because prayer brings fire, it brings rain, it brings life, it brings God. There is no power like that of prevailing prayer. There is something about prayer and intercession where we catch God's heart and he's pleased to act. And so if you are a person of prayer and you have a calling of intercessory prayer in your life, I'm begging you, pray for us. Pray for your pastors. Pray, God, keep them humble. Keep, draw them into re- repentance. Make them humble and patient before their wives and their families. Pray for us. Pray, pray for those of us who will be preaching up here that God would ha- have a closeness and an intimacy with us. We don't want to be just up here just making stuff up. Pray that God would speak to us. If you want to jumpstart your prayer life, if, if you feel stuck in your prayer life, learn these seven words. Ready? Learn these seven words if you want to jumpstart your prayer life. Can I pray for you right now? Can I pray for you right now? Try intercession in front of people and it gets weird real fast. It's great. Right? Just commit every day. Every day, I'm going to say those seven words to someone and I'm going to put my hand on them and I'm going to pray for them. And your prayer life just got really interesting. We did a a prayer conference at a a seminary there. There were maybe 40, 50 people at this thing. And uh, I shared a testimony of some experience with prayer that I had. And and at the the break, this woman came up to me and and, uh, through an interpreter, she just said, hey, I, I really connected with your testimony. There are some things that you said, and here's what's going on. She just kind of talked about, like, stress of life and different things that were going on. She said, can, you know, um, here's all the thing. And I just said, can I pray for you? And um, I I got a picture, actually, of it. Um, So it's um, me, and then her name is Aiko. She's the the woman there I'm praying with. Ian is the guy standing next to us. He's a church planner. He was kind of translator. And then those other two women are, like, bodyguards. I don't know who they are. They're just people. Um, (laughs) So I, uh, I said to Ian, I said, hey, I'm, I want to pray for her. Can I put my hand on her? And he's like, yeah, you know, sure, go right ahead. So I pray for her. It was really sweet. God just really was kind of in the midst of it. Really, honestly, super ministered to me. Uh, I think ministered to her too. It was just a really nice moment. God is really good to us right there. And so then at the end of the prayer, I looked at Ian. I said, hey, can I, can I give her a hug? And, uh, and he's like, yeah, sure. So, so I did. And then uh, as soon as that was done, he looked at me and he's like, uh, I just got to tell you something. In Japan, people don't touch each other. They just don't. And uh, when you asked to put your hand on her, he's like, I know that no pastor has ever put his hand on her, but you're like ignorant white guy from the United States. So I just <laughs> let you get away with it. I kind of wanted to see what happened. And then you asked if you could hug her. And I was like, I know that's never happened. So he like, he's like, I just wanted to see like what was going to go happen. So I said, sure, go, go for it. Um, but if you want to have an interesting prayer life, thank you, Harley. Um, find someone every day that you can put your hand on with their permission and pray for them. It's awkward. It's beautiful. It's wonderful, right? But it will absolutely change your prayer life. Real quick, when Tyler had us all pray together, if you were here last week, Tyler had us all pray together as, as, a, as a congregation. It's practice for the real world. Like when you go to school or work or gym or in your neighborhood or wherever it is that God has you, 
right? This building, this room, this gathering is not like some kind of special vortex where prayer only works in here with us, right? We do those kind of things so that you will do them out there. It's like practice for the real world, for the real like, God, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. Can I pray for you right now, real world where God has you? So if you want to make your prayer life interesting, ask that question every day to someone. Can I pray for you? Or start to pray for your enemies, which is, the com- which is a command, by the way, from the Lord. So think about those who have hatred against you or you hate. Think about those who have wronged or offended you and start to pray for them and watch how God changes your heart, stirs your heart. Or whatever political party you're in, pray for the other one. Ooh. The thing is here, there are never-ending avenues of prayer um, that, and that you can know God in an intimate way and be aware of what he's doing in the world. Um, so Tim and, and Tyler and myself, as your lead pastors here at Gilbert, we want us to be a church of prayer and live within the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And in 2013, I don't know if you remember it, Tim did a, a series called The Essential Elements. Anybody remember that, 2013 Essential Elements? Okay, two people, huge moment for the life of our church. Um, no, it really was. It was super powerful. And I was looking through his notes this week, actually getting ready for this. And the very first message that he taught was on prayer. And in his notes, he has this phrase. He says, I have a dream um, that our church would be a praying church. That's the same prayer we have today. It's the same dream we have today as pastors who lead this church, that we would be a praying church. And if we are living like that out there, when we do come in here, I guarantee that our gatherings will be infinitely different because we'll come in here walking with the Spirit, intimately connected to God, expectant, anticipating, celebrating what He's doing. Whenever I come back from a trip like I just did, I bring little things home for my kids. I brought little kimonos for my girls and a little like ninja headband for my son to get him like more fun fired up in the house. And I talk to them about the significance of those gifts and the stories behind there. I, I come home with souvenirs and stories. And I had this thought, I was like, if we were like this, if we were praying people outside of the walls of this church and we were walking around asking people, hey, can I pray for them? We would gather back together with stories and souvenirs of the goodness of God and we could share those things in celebration together and have these kind of trophies of grace saying, man, I was really, really weak this, this week, but God God showed up in crazy strength. This person at my work, they told me about something that's going on and I just said, uh, can I pray for you? And now they're actually here with me today because I prayed with them. And they're like, okay, that was, there was something there. I wanna know more about that. And we'll show up, if we live like this, we'll show back up with stories and souvenirs of the goodness and the grace of God. We wanna be a praying church. Because prayer will change our worship. It will change the way that we encounter the scriptures. It'll, it'll change the way we love one another. It'll change our marriages, our families. It'll change our neighborhoods. It'll change our city. It'll change the way we work and play. Everything changes when we are a people of prayer. So let's pray and ask God to make us that. God, thank you. Um, God, thank you just for your word and for this moment. And God, thank you for the patience of these people as we go over time, um, 
God, I just, I have one request, and, and that is that we would not just hear these words, but God, that we would do something with them. Um, God, you don't become a praying church, I know, just by saying we want to become a praying church. We become a praying church by praying. So, Holy Spirit, would you this week just, maybe even today, God, just move us. Move us to prayer. And um, God, let us live in uh, the atmosphere of your spirit where we're just breathing in and breathing out, God. Um, prayer to you, um, God, for our, for our city, God, for our world, and um, for your fame, Jesus. And I ask these things in your name. Amen.